0: So before you come, there is a video that we're going to run. But would you help me welcome my friends, Dave and Candy Wiggins.
1: Dear sponsor, I want to thank you for loving me and sponsoring me. You are a big part of my life. I know you are very far from me, but you are always close to my heart. I am happy that God has joined our paths. I no longer feel alone. Thank you for the picture you sent me. I like to look at your photograph and pray for you. I always love my time at One Child Matters project. They give me tasty food, clothes, and they help me with my education. So I can be successful in school. I have many friends there and there is always time to play. Today I got to do a learning activity that will be sent to you. It was so fun. I love God. I've learned that God loves me and has special purpose for my life. I hold on to that promise. After my walk home, I helped bring the goats into our yard before the sunset. I'm very good at milking them and it's a big help to my mother because my father passed away. I miss him. As today ends, I have hope for tomorrow because you have changed my world. I pray that God holds you and keeps you safe. Please write to me again soon. I love you. Anthony.
2: Anthony's story could be told nearly 40,000 times. That's how many children are in our care, and that's how many sponsors are changing the lives of children just like Anthony's. Anthony's story, of course, comes to us from Kenya, not from the Dominican. We are in 16 countries of the world and giving hope to children. Thank you for those of you who have continued to sponsor your child. I promise you, you are making a difference in their life. And without sponsors like you and churches like La Palma, um, One Child Matters can't do what they do to change the lives and give hope to children. So thank you. Also, I like this video for the sake of those of you who are already sponsoring to see the value of writing those letters and encouraging those kids. And so take time. I know it takes an effort to do that. but um, And if you have a child, I can promise you, promise you, promise you one thing, your child is praying for you um, because that's part of the program. We teach them to pray for the person who is making it possible for them to be a part of the ministry. So God bless you. Well, we did walk into today with um, 24 children actually from that Dominican project that the church has adopted um, that are in need of a sponsor. And we got 10 of those, 10 or 11 of those in the first service, so we still have some children. And I I went to Pastor Steve before service, and I said, Pastor Steve, if if we um, get all of these kids sponsored today, what is your pleasure here? I brought other kids with me um, are you willing to branch out? Do you want to just keep it, in a, you know, all to uh, Dominican? Or you want, He said, absolutely, we want to branch out. Let's take care of our DR kids, and then beyond that, let's take some of those kids in Kenya and Haiti and, and those other countries and, um, because we, we want to reach out in our missions program. So it's what we're doing. We have plenty of children that are in need of a, a sponsor this morning. Poverty has taught kids says to them, nobody cares, nothing can change, and I don't matter. There is nothing sadder than for a child to feel they don't matter. But sponsorship changes that. It turns it around and says, somebody cares, things can change, and you matter. I normally at this point would tell you a story of Cambodia or some place that I've actually been and witnessed the change in a in a child's life, and um, but I chose to use an illustration this morning. I want to use it again. That how many of you saw the report this week, the news of the little child that was upside down in the car seat. The mother's the mother's car went veered off the road into the water. The mother drowned. And 18 hours, this child was upside down. How many of you saw that report this week? So most of you did. An amazing story. In fact, it's told that a lady's voice was heard, help me, help me, help me. And when they got there, there was no person around. I believe it was an angel calling for help. And this man found the child in the car. The child went home from the hospital yesterday. And it's a miracle, miracle story. Well, I I was thinking about that in relationship to uh, sponsorship, and, and I thought, you know what? There is not a one of us in this room. I can't believe there's a one of us in this room that would come upon a scene like that and walk away from it. I don't think there's one of you that would walk up and see this car upside down and and see a car seat in the back, even if you didn't see the child. I think you'd venture out to just see if anybody was alive in that car, but I don't think you'd get to the edge of the water and see, you know, maybe 20 feet out, and you'd say, well, I'm not going to go out in that water. After all, I've got my brand new shoes on this week. Karen, I paid 60 bucks for these. I'm not going to ruin those shoes, you know, or I've got my good suit on. I'm on my way to the office today. I've got an important meeting. I mean, I can't can't mess up my good suit after all. I'm not getting in that water. I, I don't think there's a one of Or, you know, I'll be late for my appointment. I'm, I'm going to make it just on time. I don't have time to venture out in that water and check that car and just see if there's anybody in there. Not a one of us. Yet sometimes we look at these kids and we say, I can't do that. For various reasons, we convince ourselves that we can't, and maybe it's just a simple matter of a choice. Maybe it's something that you say, I would give that up. I would do that to change the life of a child. I um, somehow feel like that a life of a child is more important to me than a Starbucks coffee, (laughs) and I love Starbucks coffee. You can change the life of a child. You can give hope. $39 a month, about $10 a week, changes the life of these kids. Allows us to give them food, education, medical needs, of course, teach them about Jesus. And I just believe that these kids have no chance unless two things happen one is they have Jesus in their life, and number two, they've got to have an education to break out of the generational poverty that they're in. I don't want one dime of your tithe money, money you give to missions, the money you give to support this church in any way, fashion. That is important to me. Okay? I believe that. You give here first, that's God's way, and then he'll bless you. All right? That being said, I will, without apology, take that Starbucks money, that Pizza Hut money, that Taco Bell money, that Olive Garden money, that Marie Calendar's money, that Yeah. Uh, Butler, where are you? Are you in here? Oh, she went, all right. Well, she was in the first service, so you can change. I can't promise you today that your child's going to grow up, that they're going to serve God. I can't promise you they're going to get a job. I can't promise you even that they're going to make something of their life. I can't make those promises, but here's what I can promise you. You are giving them their best chance, and I believe every child deserves an opportunity. Every child deserves a chance. They're not going to have that chance without One Child Matters or a ministry like this that comes alongside of them and changes their life for them. The ushers are going to come real quickly. We have, um, we have these kids, and these are photos of the actual child. No duplicates in there. We uh, only won one of these packets, so come on up, ushers. If you'd like to help one of these kids today and you'd like to rescue them, Our children, many of them face things that they shouldn't have to face, like physical abuse, substance abuse, sexual abuse. It shouldn't be that way. We want to give them a chance at life. Go ahead, ushers. Walk down the aisles. Just raise your hand, and they're going to hand you one of these, and then I'll tell you what you do with the packet. And uh, you can write them, start praying for them, be involved in the life of a child, and just change them. Uh, give them opportunity. We'll give the ushers a minute to walk down. They do have the Dominican kids on top of those packets so that we can get take care of those Dominican kids first. And uh, we can walk out of here today and say, every child in your project has a sponsor right now. So keep your hands up till your ushers get there. Okay, ushers, I just want to know, do you have any Dominican kids left on top of your pile? I say no. Any Dominican kid? You have one, or is there one underneath that? I have two Dominican kids from your project. You have one? I have three. Anybody else God's talking to you, I'd love to see these kids sponsored today and say your project is totally sponsored. We will have those kids. There's one of them. We are down to two we'll have those kids at the table after service maybe you'd like to come by and and take one of those kids i am aware that this is our third time here so some of you are sponsoring and we are very much aware of that um thank you thank you thank you if you took one of those kids inside the packet is a blue envelope just like this okay i need you to pull that out please fill it out it has your name or your child's name at the top you need to fill out the information that connects you uh, to that child when you send that money and The packet's full of information, including the first letter you can write them. If you take home the packet today, I mean, if the a packet is yours, but if you take home that blue envelope, if you walk out the door with that blue envelope, you've kidnapped one of my kids today. So please no kidnapping. Stop by the table. We'll be in the altar praying. There'll be somebody at the table there uh, to help you, and I'll be out as soon as I can to answer any questions that you might have. We want to invite you, if you have taken a packet today, we have a lunch afterwards for sponsors, and we would invite you to stay. I just uh, probably need to know real quickly for food count. Right now, if I just ask you, if you want to stay with your family for that lunch, uh, we're going to make a handcraft for your kids. We have free t-shirts for your family. Anybody want to hang around for that, in case we need to call and order food real quickly? Two, how many you got in your family? Six? seven. Who else? How many you got in your family? Eight. Anybody else want to hang around? You're welcome to stay. We'd love for you to stay. Back here. Three, eight, eleven. Anybody else? Back here. How many you got? Four, fifteen? Only way you get free t-shirts is safe for lunch. Anybody else? Sixteen, seventeen. Two nineteen. 19. Okay. Pastor Steve, I don't know how many extra you played for. I'm thinking we need to try to plan for 25 more if we can. So if we need to get Karen, if we need to get word to uh, Rebecca to call up that food count, wherever she is, let's take care of that. God bless you. You can have Dave and Mai's lunch and you can have Steve and Karen's if you want, and we'll just make it work. All right. Pastor Steve, come here. I got something for you real quickly. Can you come on up, Creighton? We appreciate you guys really and, and your investment in the Dominican praying for there. You went down, did works. So I know you're going to take another team back and continue to bless those kids. We just, uh, we can't do this for everybody, but because pastor is, um, he's representative of you guys, we wanted to do something for him. And so, um, Steve, we had this gorgeous picture made from you. It's, wow. it's, is that beautiful? That
3: is awesome.
2: It's pastor Steve and his sponsored child, he and Karen's child. And it's actually metal art. a picture is printed on metal for him to hang in, to always be a reminder of your partnership with us in the Dominican. So God bless you. Enjoy. Thank you. It'll be pretty in your office. Thank you. God bless you.
0: That's amazing. Oh wow. Wasn't it awesome? I, I'm, I'm ready to go back now. Uh, Carmen, she went. Uh, it's it is something. It just gets in your heart. Listen, I was here for the 830 service, so I know how this service is about to unfold. And I don't want to push pause on God's spirit being poured out and people being supernaturally healed. That's that's what's about to happen, by the way, so we could take up an offering. So I asked Dave, let me just do that now. I want you to give a generous, generous offering the Wiggingtons who have given their whole life. To encourage people with the love of Jesus, and God is opening up doors around the world. And, and I said this to them before, but there's a new anointing that is coming on them and new doors are about to open that have been closed. We want to be a part of it. I want the ushers to come. I want you to write a generous check. Please write it to the La Palma Christian Center. We're going to give them one check from the two combined services today, and this is our way of saying, you go, keep going. We thank God for what you're doing. So, Father, we do thank you today that we can be a part of the process of building the kingdom, and we desire, Lord, to plant seed in the Wiggingtons, and we ask God that you would water that. We ask God that you would plant it deep, God, and that you would bring forth fruit, Lord, great fruit, much fruit, Lord, that would multiply and continue to produce. Bless Dave and Candy, the ministry that you have for them, God, and all that they might put their hand to. We pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you, Pastor Steve, so very much. Love
4: you, man. Love you. And thank you so much for the, the generous offering and your kindness to us. Thank you for helping some of our precious children. And thank you Pastor, for allowing us the privilege of returning and uh, sharing ministry here once again in La Palma. We count it a joy and an honor to be with you wonderful friends, and we count the Blands as an extended family. Uh, We we go back to uh, childhood uh, memories. I was a young 16-year-old, and Pastor's father was my boss at work, at at, uh, my first employment at the grocery store in West Terre Haute. And uh, he's one of the reasons I'm here today. His influence and impact in in my life as a young man, and I'm grateful for the privilege of being here today and being a part of this awesome service. And God's good, isn't He? Amen. Amen. God is so good. And uh, I I want to give full disclosure this morning, because uh, after you hear the message, you're going to think that I I sent ahead information on what songs ought to be sung in the service and all of that. Full disclosure is I had no input whatsoever in what songs were selected, but I thought that they were going to preach my entire sermon. Every song that came up, uh, there was uh, another part of the message in that song. So thank you, thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity to be here. I'm going to preach from John, the 20th chapter, if you want to turn there. The title of my message today is Jesus in the midst, M-I-D-S-T, midst. And when I first read that word in my text, I thought, oh, that's kind of a King Jamie's word. I, you know, I, I wonder if, if we really use that word and, and, and what its meaning is. So I got a Webster's Dictionary, and I just looked up the meaning of the word midst. And if Webster's Dictionary can make you shout, that's about where I got when I started reading the definition Midst means the interior or central or main part, like in the midst of the forest, we say. And so we're talking about Jesus being in the midst, so we're talking about Jesus being the central, main part of our lives or the focus of our lives. And then the word midst also means, the second meaning in the dictionary is the condition of being surrounded by in the midst of your troubles, surrounded by trouble. And so we're not only talking about Jesus being in the midst, being the center, the core, the foundation, the main focus of our lives, but we're talking about being surrounded by his presence. Jesus before us, Jesus beside us, Jesus behind us. We sang about the angel armies this morning. Jesus is all around us and all in us. That's his desire. So, how can we achieve this wonderful condition of having Jesus in the midst of our lives? Well, a simple phrase kind of tells how it's done. We need to wrap our lives around his. When we wrap our lives around his, we're putting him in the center, we're putting him in the midst of our lives. And then he promises to be with us. And that means before us, beside us, and behind us. So, what happens when Jesus is in the midst? Let's look at that verse of Scripture. John the 20th chapter, begin reading the verse number 19. Then the same day of the even, at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and side. Then the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, add your blessing to the reading of the word today and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. I've got some good news, friends. Jesus wants to be in the midst of your troubles. He wants to be in the midst of your trials and your problems and your illnesses and your sicknesses and your struggles. In Daniel 3, 25, we have the passage of Scripture. It's where the three Hebrew children have been thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember, it was heated seven times hotter than ever before. And King Nebuchadnezzar looks in to the fiery furnace. He had put them in there, bound hand and foot. And now he looks in and he says, I looked. I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now why was the form of the fourth man like the Son of God? Because he was the Son of God. And the good news is, in the midst of your fiery trial, in the midst of your greatest catastrophe and most tragic need of your life, God doesn't just send someone else. He comes to, to be with you in your fiery furnace. And you know what those flames were meant to do? Those flames were meant to destroy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But instead of destroying them, those flames set them free. It burnt the ropes that were binding their hands and their feet, and they were loose walking in the midst of the fiery trial. And the good news is, you can have that same experience in the midst of your fiery trial. What's meant to destroy you, God will use to set you free. Hallelujah. (laughs) Claim it in Jesus' name today. Jesus in the midst changes everything. Jesus in the midst changes the outcome. Jesus in the midst changes what's happening in that point of time. When we were here last, it was uh, September of 2012, and I was going through a very difficult time in my life, physically. And I've told you before about my testimony when I was just age 16, working in that grocery store. My arm became entangled in a meat grinder, and 45 bones were crushed and mangled, and the main arteries severed. And in an attempt to help me, they began to dismantle the grinder and took the end off of the grinder. And my ring finger, the first knuckle, fell off on the floor. They called for an ambulance. The ambulance uh, came from the wrong side of town, so it took about 20 minutes for the ambulance to get there. When the attendant came in, he began to examine me, and he said, Who put a tourniquet on your arm? And everybody looked around, and, well, no one had. And he said, Well, then where's the blood? In that condition, I should have bled to death, but instead I didn't bleed one drop of blood. Why? Because Jesus was in the midst of my life. That morning I'd been on my knees. I'd been in the Word of God. I had prayed in a heavenly language as I prepared myself to go to work. When I walked in the store, Jesus was in the midst of 16-year-old David Wigginton, And because Jesus was in the midst, what was meant to destroy me by Satan, he used to set me free. My life was spared. And when we were here in 2012, in uh, July of that year, I was with Candy at a conference and we were setting up a display for One Child Matters and my good shoulder dislocated severely, did serious nerve damage. And when we were here for the service uh, in September of 2012, during the service, Pastor Steve called for people to pray for me. He knew what was going on and prayed for healing in my body and why it was a powerful time of prayer as God was ministering to me in such an awesome way in that service. But I walked away. I didn't see the healing yet. We went to five different doctors and specialists. I didn't like the diagnosis that they gave and the prognosis, so I kept going try to find somebody to give me some good news. They all gave me bad news. The last doctor we went to, we referred to, was he was actually called a salvage doctor to try to salvage an unsalvageable situation. And when we were talking with him, Candy said, uh, is there anything we can do. You see, this was catastrophic for a one-armed man to lose the use of his only good shoulder. When we were here, I couldn't even drive. Candy had to drive in the LA traffic. She was so nervous about doing that because I couldn't even hold on to the steering wheel. If I put my hand up there, if I let go, it would just fall down in my lap. I had no strength, no ability to hold the arm up. Only from the elbow down could I move the arm. I couldn't pick up a glass of water. I couldn't reach out across the table and get a salt shaker. I couldn't get high enough to shave. I had to put my elbow on my stump to get high enough to be able to shave. couldn't lift my arm that high. For me, it was a catastrophic experience, and I felt physically powerless in that time like never before any other time in my life. And so Candy says to the doctor, is there any out-of-the-box therapy that can be done, acupuncture, anything. And he said, no. And she said, well, doctor, uh, I want to tell you that we literally have, and we did, thousands of people across the country and around the world praying for a miracle of healing in Dave's shoulder. We're praying and believing God for a miracle. And he said, well, now, Candy, I'll tell you like I tell all of my patients. I'm a man of science, and I deal in the facts. And the fact is, without a firing nerve, there is absolutely no surgery, no therapy, nothing that can be done. You and Dave need to go home and figure out how he can live with this. And we left there very discouraged, as you can well imagine. I had an appointment to go back between Christmas and New Year's because he was scheduling a surgery. He was recommending fusing my shoulder to my rib cage. He said, I'll do it so you can reach your pocket and your mouth. And that's all I would have all the rest of my life. And he said, I need to do that because this shoulder will dislocate again and it may do further damage. So we've got to do that to salvage the experience. And so I had an appointment to go back between Christmas and New Year's. September we came here and you prayed for healing in my body. And people all across the country were praying I didn't see the healing that day when I walked out of this service. But between that prayer time here and that doctor's appointment in December, God began to do a work. And when I went into the doctor's office, he walked in and asked how I was, and I went like this. And he looked at all the facts, and he said, uh, well, it still shows... That, that shoulder's paralytic, according to all the facts. It's still, so, he says, do you think you're any better? And I said, sure, I think I'm better. I couldn't do this before. I couldn't lift my arm at all. And he said, you know, I think you're better, too. And so he said, you just uh, go and keep doing what you're doing and come back in three months and we'll see how you're doing. And I said, well, we'll keep on praying and I'll keep on exercising and I went back three months later and he gave me a complete, full release, said I'm not a candidate for any surgery, anything at all. You see, I came by today to remind you, friends, that uh, we don't deal in the facts. There are people who deal in the facts, but what I deal in is, is the truth. And the truth is, well, the fact may have been that without a firing nerve, there's nothing that can be done. But the truth is, with God, all things are possible. The fact may be that you have been diagnosed with a disease, but the truth is, with God, all things are possible. The fact may be that you're unemployed, but the truth is, He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. The fact may be that there's a broken relationship, but the truth is that He's the mender of broken hearts. Hallelujah. The fact may be that your heart is filled with bitterness, And unbelief and unforgiveness, but the truth is God's love changes everything. Hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus' presence makes all the difference. That's the truth, and the truth of God's word is what we need. You see, Jesus in the midst makes all the difference. Jesus in the midst, first of all, makes us peaceful. Look at that first verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together. The doors were locked for fear of the Jews. This was not a Sunday night celebration. This was a huddle for fear. They were afraid. They had seen Jesus crucified and murdered, dead and buried. And now some say they saw him alive that morning. But others have heard that the Jews are looking for them because They have been accused of stealing the body of Jesus and hiding it. And they're afraid for their very lives. They're trembling and they're filled with doubt and unbelief and fear, hopelessness. Doors locked, windows barred. And then it just says Jesus came and stood in the midst. He was just there. He didn't need a door. He didn't need a window. He was just there. He doesn't need a door into your trial today. He doesn't need a window. He doesn't need a crack. He'll just be there, friend. If you'll look up, he'll open your eyes and you'll see him. He's there with you right now in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your trial. And when Jesus was in the midst of those troubled, worried, anxious disciples, he said, Peace. To you. Sometimes he speaks peace to our storm, and other times he speaks peace to us. Sometimes he calms the storm; other times he calms his disciple. But when he's there, there will be peace. Just a few years ago, Candy and I lost a dear friend, Jackie Duke. Ken and Jackie are, uh, were pastors in Indiana and, and good friends. In fact. Uh, Jackie and Candy went to youth camp together, so they go way back, and Jackie went on missions trips with Candy uh, across the world, many of them, and just seven days before Jackie went home to be with the Lord, we had the awesome privilege of sitting in their living room, and Jackie was sitting in that overstuffed chair, and Ken was there, and their daughter Station, Candy and I, and others, and we were visiting with Jackie, and we were reminiscing, and the ladies were reminiscing about <laughs> all the way to camp, and missions, trips, and all of this. And before we were going to leave, we were going to pray for her again. And so we gathered around the chair and I got down on my knees and we laid hands on her and we prayed fervently for a miracle of healing for Jackie. And when we started to back away grabbing tissues out of the tissue box, Jackie said, No, now wait a minute. And she reached up and grabbed a hold of Candy's arm and said, No, wait, I want to pray for you guys. And so I knelt back down and we gathered around the chair and Jackie prayed a beautiful prayer of God's blessing on our lives, prayed for each one of us, calling us by name, and prayed a blessing on us. When she said amen, we started to back away from the chair again, very emotional at this point in time. And she cleared her throat and she said, if, you know, if I get my healing, my miracle, then I win. But even if I don't, I still win. Seven days later, I was able to stand in front of that congregation and tell them that their pastor's wife was a winner, that she was now in the presence of Jesus, completely whole for all of eternity. You see, my friend, hospice care is expensive. Chemotherapy is costly. Medical expenses are sky high. But peace that passes understanding is priceless. And that's what Jackie Duke had. Peace that passes the understanding of mankind. Because Jesus was with her. He was in the midst of her trial. And I'm telling you that even if you don't get your miracle and you go to the other side, you're still a winner because Jesus is with you. Jesus was with her through every step of her life and now she is with him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's a complete and ultimate victory. Jesus in the midst makes us peaceful. And Jesus in the midst makes us joyful. I'm not talking about giddiness, and I'm not talking about happiness. Now, happiness is many times attached to happenings. Happiness, happiness coming from things that happen around us. But I'm talking about deep, powerful, profound, strong joy. The scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's our strength, is the joy that God gives us. And that's the joy that people see in your life when you're going through difficult times and they say, How can it be? Well, it's because Jesus is in the midst. Jesus is the core, the center, the foundation, the hinge, the focus in your life. And Jesus is before you, beside you, and behind you. And because that, even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances, you can have joy. There was an adult daughter who was uh, filled with trouble and irritation, and she was griping and complaining. She went to see her father, who happened to be a master chef at his home, and she was complaining. She was complaining about her husband. She was complaining about the kids. She was complaining about her work. She was even complaining about her pastor, Now I know that doesn't happen here. And she was griping and griping and complaining and complaining, and without her taking a breath, her dad says, uh, come with me. And she stands up, and she just continues to go on, follows her dad into the kitchen. He gets three pans, puts water in each one puts them on a lighted burner on the stove, goes to the fridge and he gets some of those baby carrots out of the crisper and puts in one. He gets some eggs out of the, uh, fresh eggs out of egg carton, puts in another. And then he went to the cabinet and got some coffee beans and put in the third one. And after the water had boiled the appropriate amount of time, he said, wait a minute, I want to ask you something. And he stopped her talking and he got a spoon and he took out some of those baby carrots and put them on a little plate and he said, now tell me, what difference did the boiling water make in the baby carrots? And she said, well dad, when you put them in there, they were cold and hard, now they're hot and soft and bushy. Okay? So then he took out one of the now hard-boiled eggs, and while he's asking her the same question about the egg, what difference did the boiling water make to the egg? She said, well, it was very fragile if you tapped it on the counter, the egg would run out everywhere, and there he's tapping the shell and breaking the shell away and holding up the hard-boiled egg. And then he took a ladle and took out some from where those coffee beans had been boiling and put it in a coffee cup and mug and held it in front of her, and he said, now what difference did the boiling water make to the coffee beans? And she paused and didn't seem to have an answer. And He said, that's because the boiling water didn't change the coffee beans. The coffee beans changed the boiling water. And you, my dear daughter, have a decision to make, a choice to make. Are you going to let your circumstances change you, or are you going to change your circumstances? And I assert to you today that it is the joy of the Lord that enables God's people to change their circumstances rather than them to be changed by the circumstances of life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And Jesus in the midst, when we make him the core, the center, the foundation, the hinge upon which everything turns, the focus of our lives, when we know that he is before us, beside us, and behind us, then I'm telling you, Jesus will give you the strength from the joy that he gives you to change your circumstances rather than you be defeated and changed by them. Jesus in the midst makes us peaceful. Jesus in the midst makes us joyful. Brother Creighton, would you come up here and give me a hand today, please? I appreciate all of your assistance before service. Now, I brought with me all the way from Indiana a a work glove. This is a kind of a garden glove to work. and, And I want you to help me. And then let's just get everybody to help us. Let's encourage this glove to pick up the bottle of water. Okay, everybody help me now. Come on, glove. Pick it up. You can do it. Come on, glove. Go, go. Go, glove. Go. Go, glove. You can do it. You can do it. It's a worthless piece of junk. Now put it, put it on, would you please? Look at this. <laughs> now, pick up the bottle of water. Let's hear for Creighton. He's the man. All right. woo. woo. Way to go, dude. You're the man. He is. Thank you. Thanks so much. Give him a hand. What I've learned is that I'm an awful lot like this empty glove. Useless. But when Jesus is in the midst of my when I make him the core, the center, the foundation, the cornerstone, the hinge upon which everything turns, the focus of all my life, when Jesus is before me, beside me, and behind me, then I become useful. I felt physically useless during that six-month period of time when my shoulder was not working at all. But, Jesus, see we become his hands and his feet extended and when we touch the sick they are healed not because we're touching them we're just the glove but because Jesus is in the midst of our lives when we touch them they are healed you can reach out and sponsor a child and because you touch them because Jesus is in the midst of your life their lives can be forever changed Hopelessness can be turned to hope for them because you can reach out and touch them in the power of Jesus. When He fills our all in all, then we become useful in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Jesus in the midst makes us useful. When I was uh, suffering the affliction with the, the shattered nerve, the broken nerve that wasn't working, at the same time, my prosthesis of 13 years quit. So physically, I was in double jeopardy. It was catastrophic. So I went to be fitted for a new prosthesis, and the old prosthesis I had, they were $16,000. I wore out three of those $16,000 prosthesis. And so when I went in and they saw my shoulder, they said, you don't need the old technology, you need the new technology. In fact, it was so new that when I got this prosthesis, at the end of uh, 2012, I was only the third person in the United States to have one of these. And they said, well, there's one problem, though, Brother David. There's one problem. I said, what's that? They said, well, your old prosthesis cost $16,000. The price tag on these new ones is $76,000. How many know I didn't have (laughs) $76,000? But God was in the midst of my fiery trial. God was in the midst of my problem. And he provided, I now have the Michelangelo hand, it's a great prosthesis. I can do a lateral pinch, and then I can change the mode, and I can do a three-pronged pinch. And with, it, with this prosthesis, I can do things I haven't been able to do for myself for 50 years. I can zip up my own jacket. Just, just try to zip your jacket with one hand. See how frustrating that is. And I can tie my shoes. I can tie my own tie. I can cut my steak. I can, I can open the, the little butter pad. I can pull the tab off the butter pad in the restaurant. I can even pull a credit card out of my billfold. Candy really likes that feature. <laughs> and you know how much I had to pay out of my pocket for this prosthesis? $76,000 provision. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. When Jesus is in the midst, it makes all of the difference. Jesus in the midst makes us peaceful. Jesus in the midst makes us joyful. Jesus in the midst makes us powerful. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. In Genesis, the second chapter, he breathed into man the breath of life. In Acts chapter 2, he breathed into his church the power of the Holy Spirit. And in our world today, we are in such dire circumstances. What we need in the world today is for the church once again to be breathed full of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, one more time, send a Holy Ghost revival. Revive your church and send revival to this world. We need the power to change our world. When Dr. David Livingston was marching through Central Africa, he came upon a kingdom, a chief that was a king over many villages. Tens of thousands of natives were a part of his kingdom. And this chief had a custom. If you came into his kingdom, any visitor was to lay out all of their possessions on the ground. And the chief, the king, would choose whatever he wanted of yours, and that would be his own possession then. And then, of the king's choosing, he would take one of his possessions and he would give it to you as his guest. And so, Doctor Livingston, Livingston laid out his compass and his watch and his glasses and his clothes and his books, and he even set out there his his goat. He had to take a goat with him because he had stomach issues and he needed the goat's milk. And wouldn't you know it, the king got his goat. I don't know, maybe that's where that expression came from. But Dr. Livingston was so upset, he started complaining to God out loud in English. Now the king handed him a crooked stick, and he holds the crooked stick up toward God, and he said, God, how could you let him do that? How could you let him take my goat? You know I need that goat. And give me this this crooked walking stick. How could you do that, God? You know I need that goat, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And and he was complaining and griping to God, and he forgot momentarily that his traveling companion spoke both English and the local language. And his traveling companion said, Dr. Livingston, you shouldn't complain to God like that. He said, why? Why? The king took my goat and gave me this crooked walking stick. He said, Dr. Livingston, that's not a crooked walking stick. He said, well, what is it then? He said, Dr. Livingston, that is the king's scepter. And everywhere you raise the king's scepter, all the men of the village will sit at your feet and listen to whatever you have to say. The king had given him the authority, the power, to walk from village to village and give those people the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what happened to the authority? Jesus put it this way, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. All the power in the world was given to Jesus. All the power in the universe was given to Jesus. And what did he do with it? He gave it to the church. He's given it to us. We have the power to change our world. We have the power to turn our world right side up for Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus is the core, the center, the foundation, the focus of all of our lives, I'm telling you, when Jesus is in the midst, before us, beside us, behind us, we're powerful. John the Revelator looked into the seven golden candlesticks, which represent the church. What did it say in Revelation? He said, I saw the Lord in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And I'm telling you, I see Jesus in the midst of his church. If this is his church, and it is, he is here, he's in the midst of his church. Now, sometimes our eyes are blinded by all of the light bright lights of this world, but I'm telling you, let Jesus open your eyes. Let the Spirit of God open your eyes. Look in the church, and you'll see Jesus is right in the middle of this church. He's right in the middle of everything that's happening. He is the one going before you. He's the one beside you. He's the one beside you. It's Jesus! It's his power. So Jesus in the midst changes everything. And who is this Jesus that we want to be in the midst? Well, this Jesus, he's the one that spoke and everything that exists came into being. He made mankind out of one ball of mud. He's the one that made a sign out of the rainbow for Noah. He's the one that drew an emancipator out of the Nile River. He's the one that made a serpent out of the shepherd's staff. Jesus, he's the one that made a freeway out of the bottom of the Red Sea. He's the one that made a fountain out of a rock. He made a three-course meal out of the dew in the desert. He made a sidewalk out of the walls of Jericho. He even made a preacher out of a donkey, so I guess there's hope for we river rats, eh? He made waiters out of ravens. He made an army out of dry bones. He made a taxi out of a whale. He made an elevator out of that whirlwind. And that's just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he made wine out of water. He made a taxpayer out of fish. He made a banquet out of the little boy's lunch. He made, listen, he made the blind eyes to see. He made the deaf ear to hear. He made the dumb mouth to speak. He even made the withered hand straight and the shoulder to function again. Hallelujah. He made the lame to walk. He made the leper clean. He made the guilty guiltless. He made the issue above to stop. He made a f- eternal life out of his own death. He made a fool out of the devil. And he's making the church out of us. Hallelujah. Give him praise, church. He's in the midst of his people. He's in the midst of your trial. He's in the midst of your problem. He's in the midst of your sickness. He's there. He's there. And his presence makes you peaceful, joyful, useful, powerful. Because Jesus in the midst changes everything. You know, I believe God wants to do something special right now. I believe God wants to heal I believe God wants to deliver some people. I believe God wants to bring peace and joy and power into your life and use you in his kingdom work. I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, speak to us, we pray. Is there anyone here that has unconfessed sin in your heart? You don't know Jesus as your Savior. I would say to you, that's step number one. Step number one is to surrender your life to him and let him forgive your sin. If you're here with unconfessed sin in your heart, we want to have a special prayer for you. Would you lift your hand up? We want to pray with you. You don't know Jesus, and you want to know him. Slip lift that hand up. Yes, I That is the greatest miracle that ever takes place. The miracle of salvation. Let's pause right now. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me, if you would please. Everybody, to pray with our dear friend who's wanting to invite Jesus into his heart right now. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Take away sin. Take away the bondages in my life. Set me free to soar and serve you. In Jesus' name, I receive your love. I will follow you. I will serve you. In the name of Jesus, I receive your love, your grace, your mercy. Amen hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah how many will raise your hand and you'll say david i need a miracle today it could be a miracle of physical healing it could be emotional healing it could be a severed relationship it could be financial i need a miracle I need a divine intervention today. If that's you, slip your hand up. Oh my. Yes, yes. All over, all over. Stand with me, everybody. Not just those that raise their hands. Everybody, stand with me. We're going to call everyone to come forward with needs for prayer. Pastors going to come and the prayer workers are going to come. But just before that, I want us to do the universal sign of surrender, which I couldn't do and my nerve was damaged I couldn't raise my arm but I can raise my arm and praise to God and I can raise my arms and surrender to him I'm raising a $76,000 miracle of provision on this side and I'm raising a divine miracle of healing on this side And everything that goes with me is surrendered to Him right now. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to raise up both hands and I want you to give it all to Him. Give Him the good, give Him the bad, give Him the ugly, give Him the undecided, give Him the fear. Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all. I'm giving everything I am, everything I will be, I'm giving it to you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I surrender all to you, Jesus. I wrap my life around your life. Be in the midst of my life. Be in the midst of my life, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. para Hallelujah. We're going to call those in need to come for prayer in just a moment, but I want to ask Candy to come. Candy came up at the end of the first service, actually after we called people forward for prayer, and came to Pastor Steve. When I was preaching, I said something to the effect of when I left that service here, I felt the power and presence of God and I didn't understand why I wasn't healed at that point. And I I didn't understand. But let Candy tell you what the Holy Spirit spoke to her.
2: Pastor Steve's going to stand with me because he's my security blanket right now, okay? He can verify what we say is true today. Dave said in the first service, which he often says, that we don't know why God sometimes heals those, and sometimes he doesn't heal. We don't have answers to those. But he mentioned in the first service when we were here two and a half years ago, and you folks, all heaven came down when you prayed for him and prayed for healing. I mean, it was a dire circumstance. But we walked out here without healing. And he said in the first service, I don't understand why God didn't heal me that day. And like a bolt of lightning, I have never felt this before. And by the way, the first service is the first time I've shared this publicly. And like a bolt of lightning, Karen, God said, "I didn't heal Dave that day because I had something I needed to do in Candy." I don't know the theology of everything. I don't. I don't believe for a minute God did that to Dave's shoulder. It was an accident. Accident happens. It's life. But I know one thing. He used it to accomplish something in candy that need accomplished. You don't need to know the details. You don't need to know all that stuff. But nine years ago, my life forever changed. I had a platform of ministry that was absolutely phenomenal. I'll just say the CEO of the company changed. Let's just say it that way. And he chose not to keep Candy in that position. I felt like my world was going to cave. It did cave. My life was wrapped around that ministry that I had. I loved it. I lived it. I breathed it. And it was gone. And nothing I could do about it. There was, so you know, there was really no reasoning. It was an unfair thing. Unfair things happen. There was no no sexual immorality. There was no financial situation. It was just a decision of a superior. I caved. I went into depression. So much so Dave was afraid to leave me alone. And yes, I felt like I was serving Christ. It just, my bottom caved. I mean, it just caved. It went from that to bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness For six and a half years, not for a few months Six and a half years this girl carried that in her heart I stood before congregations like this I stood before women's conferences of 2,500 and up presenting what I present on One Child Matters, helping those kids around the world. But I knew I was putting a face on, and you all didn't know what was behind that. Dave had the shoulder injury. Our daughter and son-in-law bought a new house. There was an open house, and we went to the open house, and there was a couple who were parents, and one of Mandy's best friends, Mandy is our daughter, from Guatemala, they speak only Spanish, no English, but they were very taken in the church that they work in in Guatemala, their ministry is healing. And um, they were very taken by Dave's situation. You could just tell their heart went out to them. They prayed for him, and in the open house, there, prayed for him. We went on our way. A couple weeks later, they called through Mandy. Wendy, her girlfriend, called and said, my parents would like to come by your folks home and pray for your dad again before they leave the country. Could we do that? They came by. Keep in mind, they come to the US every other year. This was the year for them to come. Just a couple weeks after we were right here in La Palma. They came into our home, sat down, Wendy and translated everything. They spoke only Spanish. We speak only English. so I felt like I was in a foreign service or something, but through translation, they sat down. He opened his Bible and he began to read scriptures, one scripture after another, not just, just, I mean, probably for 30 minutes he was giving scriptures. And they all centered around a couple things, letting go of anything in your life that would block the healing that God has for you. Unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, worry, all of those things. And the longer he spoke, the more I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. All through translation remember, okay? His wife told us later said, I wonder, what in the world is he doing? You know after all, we're here in a pastor's home. Even though we don't pastor a church, he referred to us as pastors. And he said, we're in a pastor. He doesn't normally do this. We just go in and we pray. We anoint him. What's he doing? God's plan. I took all I could take and I finally broke and I spoke up and I said, you know, tears flowing down my cheek. I was done unjustly. I was done unfair. And I hate those people. That's what I said. I hate those people. And I've carried this hatred and unforgiveness in my heart. God help me for six and a half years. But if what I'm carrying in my heart has anything to do with blocking healing for my husband, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. He came over and he kneeled down in front of me. And he said, Candy, you got to let it go. And now's your time. We began to pray. I tell you, I cried like I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. He said, I want you to call them by name. I don't know those people. Your daughter already knows. Doesn't matter. I begin to call those names out one by one and say, God, I forgive them. I forgive them. No, it wasn't fair. I know that, but I forgive them. God, I let go of it. And it was like a huge weight lifted off of my chest. I thought I was done. Then he looked at me and he said, "Candy, you got to do one more thing. I want you to call their names, their family names, if you know them, and I want you to pray every blessing you can think of on them. Financially, their ministry, everything." I said, "I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm just being honest with you, folks. Okay." I said, forgiving one thing, but plain breast blessing on them? I can't do that. He said, well, then you didn't forgive them. I sat there as long as I could sit there. And I realized nobody was moving until I did something. And I don't even know how I got the words out. Broken as I was, but I began to pray blessings upon these people one by one. I want. And folks, I want to tell you, the chains that had bound me for six and a half years came loose. I'm not going to get into any theology of how this all works. Would David have gotten his healing if I hadn't? I don't know. That's not the point. The point is God used that. I know he used that to set this girl free. To set this girl free. (laughs) Our lives were forever changed. Nine years ago, my ministry was changed, but thank God opened up another door. Our finances were changed forever. Even though our circle of people that we associated were changed forever. But at that moment, two and a half years, this girl was changed forever. I know Pastor dealt with this last week. I'm not sure why he had me bring this into this service today. I just know that he did for the first time ever, maybe the last time. But if you are carrying a grudge, if you're carrying unforgiveness, if you're carrying hatred, if you're wishing bad, if you're carrying depression, oh my goodness, folks, Dave will tell you, I mean, I lived with a preacher of the word. I used to have dreams at night, Karen, what I could do to bring bad upon those people. And in two and a half years, I haven't had one of those dreams. I'm telling you, it works, people. Today is your day. You've got to let it go. It doesn't matter what your ex did to you or what he's doing now it doesn't matter what your boss did to you it doesn't matter if you were even sexually abused as a child you gotta let it go and i'm telling you god cannot do what he wants to do in and through you until you do you want a clear open channel between here and there folks I don't know, Steve, I'm going to like, I don't know if you want healers on this time and people who need forget. I don't know how you want to do this. The microphone's yours.
0: Listen, she hasn't ever shared this before today. Are you getting that? This isn't part of a, a, a pat sermon and, and service. This is real. These are real people with some pretty serious issues, you know. that God came through for. It's just, it blows my mind. I, I was shocked, Candy, that you shared that. She shared it over dinner last night. And I, I mean, the hair on my arm stood up. And when she came and she said, I, I feel like I, I need to share this. I was, I was, I mean, my mouth dropped open. I couldn't believe it. But you'll continue to be healed. You're, you're continuing to be healed. And this is going to, I just sense this is going to be a big, big part of your future ministry, because you watch and see how many people respond to inner healing in just a few moments. God put this on my heart some months ago for this day, this series, we're going to focus on healing. He's our healer. He heals our physical bodies and he heals the inside emotions going to do it now. Pastors, elders, position yourself, get some anointing oil in your hand and brace yourself. I'm just telling you, it's about to happen in this room. Yeah, it's 20 after 12. I understand if you need to go, please. But if you want to see something miraculous, I'd stick around. If you need your own healing, I'd stick around. So, Candy, I am going to put you over here and we're, we're, if you especially need emotional healing and inner healing, I want you to come over here on this side. One more thing before. Well, you can you can go ahead and come. That's right. Hallelujah. Take that step of faith. Take that step of faith. Jesus, there are six more kids in the Dominican La Palma. Come on, let's do it. Let's grab them up. Fill out the envelope. If you can make first payment, that's the best. It's out at the table. If you need healing, physical or otherwise, come now. Come in faith. Come expecting. Come believing. Hallelujah. All things are possible. Thank you, Jesus. God, pour out your spirit on this place right now. We thank you, Lord, that you are opening up heaven right now. We thank you, God, that all things are possible to them that believe. We're praying, God, that there would be a demonstration today of your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, for signs. We pray today, Almighty God, for signs and wonders to occur right before our very eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Empower us today to be your instrument and to be your hand extended. Hallelujah. Touch us. Touch our physical bodies, God. Touch our emotional being, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Move your mighty hand. Hey, hey. Yeah. Hey.
3: Nothing is impossible. No, 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 no. impossible. señor before I know who stands behind side the one who reigns forever he is a friend
0: Come on, let's believe for the power of God to be manifest.